0: I really believe that organizations, what we go in and help and do that, the right human resource thing, and it's not just all about compliance, right? It's about how to build good communication, how to make sure you know that the, the, the people within the organization are, are talking to each other, how um, people are feeling comfortable in their roles, right? How the managers are trained, right? Setting the expectations and companies, making sure they're following through. I actually believe that human resources help create a better employment experience.
1: Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I am your host Jeffrey Stern and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Mark D'Agostino who co-founded Connected HR in 2014 and currently serves as its president. Under his leadership, Connected HR has become one of the fastest growing human resources consulting companies in Northeast Ohio. Before Connected HR, Mark began his entrepreneurial career in 2001 by starting Trifecta Business Products and as its CEO grew it to two locations and over 40 employees. In 2011, he ultimately sold that company to an independently owned Ohio corporation and the year after co-founded a staffing and recruitment startup and served as its president for two years. Marcus worked hard to bolster the business community in Northeast Ohio, having served on the board of Northeast Ohio's leading economic development organization, the Middle Market Committee of the Greater Cleveland Partnership, as well as the Greater Akron Chamber Task Force. Mark previously had the privilege to serve as the president of the Cleveland chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. I very much enjoyed having Mark's perspective on the changing macro dynamics of employment, how the nature of work itself is changing, the business of fractional HR, and the journey Mark has been on building connected HR. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark D'Agostino. Mark, I've been, been looking forward to, to this conversation. I think in, in, in preparation for it, just very evident that a lot of the topics we'll cover here sit at the, the eye of this people employment storm, I think, that we find ourselves in recently with regards to these tectonic shifts in the way work is being done, the state of employment, the nature of human resources, and how... This whole industry is involving what is transient, what has staying power. I'm very much looking forward to, to getting your perspective on this, and and looking forward to uh, unpacking those those topics here with you today. Well, I think b- before we we kind of get to those macro level things and the work you're doing with with connected HR, I know you have a past here of, of entrepreneurship prior to to the work you're doing today, and so I'd, I'd love to just understand your you know your journey to entrepreneurship uh, and a little bit of your background and and maybe just set the stage for us here.
0: All right. Well, I could tell you a little bit about it. Um, you know, a uh, little over 20 years ago I started my first company and it was an industry that I was in for many years before I started the company. I always knew I was going to start a company, it's just a matter of kind of getting the table set to do that, right? It got married, start having children, you know, the the pressures of life kind of take over. And um, But I started a company, and it was in an industry that I was in for a while. And so I knew that industry inside and out. Like, I, I, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I was darn close. And um, so started that and hit the ground running. And it was interesting how back that long ago, how you started a company, right? You You bought a computer system. You bought a phone system, right? You had – it was very brick-and-mortar feeling. And I knew I brought some employees that I used to work with at the other organizations that I was – working for. And, you know, we hit the ground running. I had a bank of customers that I was starting with. Right. And within the first year, we were doing, you know, quite a bit of business. And the second year we were killing it. And um, it was a tough industry. It was a supply industry, very brick and mortar type industry. But um, yeah, so that's, that's how I started the first one. The set, this company connected HR is a whole different story. Like it's a, just a, Completely different trajectory and how it was started, and um, so actually, when I, I do some mentorship with Cleveland State and uh, personally with some uh, kids, the people that are rising into you know want to get into entrepreneurship and are business people, and I tell this story all the time with them how the difference of starting a company back then and starting a company 10, 12 years later.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, as you had kind of navigated that process while we're setting the differences, what are some of the reasons you, you came back to, to start something new? What what was your kind of thought process? Well, for, for the first company,
0: I ended up selling it. So we started the company, I'll give you a date, it was 2001. And then we acquired a company and that, that was in the pretty predominantly the Northeast Ohio, greater Cleveland area. We acquired a company in the Youngstown area. I had never been to Youngstown in my life. Um, you know, it's, it's an hour away, but a world of difference. Like it's just a different type of business community out there. We acquired that that company out there and the company that had been in business for decades and decades that we acquired, and um, we merged the companies together. And then about four years into it, we were able to sell the whole group. It was a highly competitive industry. It was tough. It was time to get out of that industry. There were the the big players were coming in, and you know companies that were two hundred times our size. So. Navigated all that. It was very interesting. When we bought the company in Youngstown, it was actually right when the recession was hitting. So it was a really interesting time. You know, banks were locking us down. It was, it was rough, right? You learned learned a lot of lessons <laughs> during those tough times. It was interesting. It was interesting. Put a lot of stress, but you know what? It 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 it, it tooled me up for the next evolution of what I was going to do. So ended up founding Connected HR. I have no HR background, zero. And founded this because I, I saw, after I sold the organization and I got into recruitment and staffing for a short period of time, I saw how grossly underserved small businesses were with regards to HR. It's, it's almost non-existent. And um, so I thought, hmm, you know, I saw the, the, there's, a, there's a, a thing out there called fractional CFOs and fractional CFO business is huge in the US. So I thought, hmm, okay, let's take a look at this. Can we apply that model to human resources in the marketplace? So I just pieced it together and I just said, all right. And I literally started one consultant and one client at a time and built it up over time. So when I talk about the first business that I had, I had a bank of clients ready to go. So we we had revenue positive right away this was all right we got to figure this out <laughs> and i didn't know how to hire hr people you know i really didn't even know the, the right talking points when talking to clients so i look back at that i'm like whoa and so that was really we took on our first clients in 2014 and right at the beginning of 2014 and i was like man this is tough right and then we just learned a long way so when i started the company you know we had virtu- a virtual phone system we did everything in the cloud right we worked off of our cell phones, our mobile phones. Like the first company, everything was brick and mortar. This was so different, and we we really didn't even really have an office at first. Heck, we didn't even get our website up for two years, and um, so it was just a way, way different way to enter enter an industry, and it was an industry I didn't know. So you know, we're in our ninth year now. <laughs> We've learned a heck of a lot, and we're in the right business at the right time. Right. COVID hits. We grew a ton last year and small businesses are screaming for HR infrastructure and help and guidance, right? And it's all tied to recruiting too. They're all intermingled. So um, right business, right time, but we've learned a ton. We've built things the right way. And, you know, as a business owner, you learn things along the path and, you know, what you you make mistakes along the path. You know, you talked, when we talked off offline, you talked about, you know, lots of mistakes and learn from them. And I I sure did. So sometimes I see myself in the same pattern of making the same mistake. I catch myself say, "Uh uh-uh, you screwed that up once, don't screw it up again. So in this business, um, you know, this is professional services as opposed to distribution for the first company I was in. So the difference is not so much the product or service that you're you're delivering but how you really run your organization and how you treat your people when i had the first company i consider myself a very helpful leader um you know i i take when somebody's got something going on i sit down i talk with them you know i listen to them um i try to make people feel that they're cared about and I don't want to use the, the, the term a servant leader. I think it's kind of an outdated term, but I, I, at one time I viewed myself as a servant leader. I was screwing so much stuff up in the HR space when I had the first company. I needed help and guidance. I wish this service that we developed, Connected HR, was around because I would have used it for my other business. The controller and I were handling all the HR things, all the related things, and we were fumbling them all over the place. And we were, we had good intentions, we wanted to do the right things, we were just making mistakes on them. So when I started this, a lot of the things, you know, since I don't have that huge HR background, I think about things from a business perspective. What matters to a business? You know, something that's cost effective, right? Something that's on target, something that you can count on that's reliable. So when I started to develop this business, that's what i focus on and I just hired the the h r experts in that were that were the experts in human resources that could deliver those services and then I built an infrastructure around there how to support them and it's mm. it, it's really that simple it it, it sounds simple it's, it's, it's uber <laughs> over complex but it's it it was that simple to come up with the concept
1: well, in those earliest days when you're I think going through the the founding of, of this idea, how much of the problem was one that you recognized having it experienced it yourself at, at your prior company, and and how of how much of it was you know seeing it, the challenge, the the lack of HR capacity through the, the staffing uh, and HR work that you were doing at the time.
0: Yeah, so that's a great question, Jeffrey. So I felt it while I. When I had the other company, like I could, I could feel like something's wrong, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't really know how to fix it because there was no way we were going to add, you know, a $85,000 a year HR person to our, and plus there's not, there wasn't 40 hours of HR work in there. Right. But as I got into the other business and I start as I got into the transition business before I started Connected HR and I started to see small businesses and interact with their recruiters and with their HR people, I saw a consistent problem over and over and over and over again. Like it wasn't at one or two companies, it was at scores of them. And I thought, okay, there's a there's a market opportunity here. There's a market opportunity. So and you know, I can design something that can help. And it can help these organizations. So, you know, it was just really
1: taking a market opportunity and filling the need. Can you kind of break down a little bit in more depth the idea of this fractional worker? Uh, you kind of borrowed from the the very growing industry of, of you know, fractional CFOs. We, we've had actually Air CFO, a company here in Cleveland on the show, but you know, where the, maybe the inspiration for the model came from and how it, how it translates in, in an HR capacity.
0: So small businesses need HR guidance. And many times someone at an HR administrative level doesn't have the knowledge base to drive initiatives, build processes, build infrastructure, build strategies. And most of the small groups need this. And it sounds complex, but it's actually not, but you have to get to someone that's risen Generally, to an HR director level in their career, and have done these things before. So when I'm looking at you know the companies that are that were out there, they did they didn't have this, and there wasn't anybody that was going to be able to come into there. They weren't going to be able to hire anybody to come in and do this. And so I saw companies having HR people; they just weren't at the level that was needed to build the strategy and the processes. They were getting some things done and they typically had multiple other duties, right? They might've been even doing like invoicing and Hmm. accounts payable, right? So they could never truly really focus on it. And a lot of times they were just pulled into recruiting, especially getting into a manufacturing environment. You know, the HR person is doing the bulk of the recruiting there too. So I actually picked up fractional from fractional airplanes. Back in the day, like they're, they're still out there. The companies, I actually didn't think about fractional CFOs until I got further into it. I was thinking about a shared resource. So that airplane, you buy a fraction of it, right? And you buy your time in there. So I looked at I looked at that and I thought about that with HR people. So I figured out how can I, I try to figure out how can, I can get the higher level, the people that have risen to a certain level over their career into these companies and share them. And I looked at the HR consulting models that are out there and a lot of them are 1099. So say you were an HR consultant and it was ABC consulting, we'd say, Hey, Jeffrey, you know, uh, we got this gig for the next six months. Do you want to jump in and do this? And you'd say yes or no, that you're full or not. We changed it. We flipped it. Um, we went to a W-2 model. So all of our employees are W-2 employees of connected HR and we build their schedule and they come in. It's, it's a different way to deliver to deliver the consulting services.
1: And how is it that you're able to get up to speed with a given customer and you know following the the life cycle the the trajectory of a, of a company over time are you able to to scale with that company do you f- kind of facilitate the onboarding of someone in a full time capacity when they get to the point where there is a sufficient workload to to kind of mandate that how how do you think about you know the the relationships you have with with the companies you have as they they grow and as you help them
0: Really uh, on target questions. These are great questions. Um, you have a good understanding of this. So we do start most companies with, uh, we call it our valid HR audit. And it it's kind of like, before we did the audits, it was like a paratrooper dropping into a war zone, right? And you were just, you know the HR consultant was dropped in there, and they had to navigate and find out what's going on and get it all. Hey, Man, there's a lot of stuff going. On. A <laughs> lot of stuff, and it's all. So we did this audit, and actually sets an agenda. It sets uh, action items. It uh, holds everybody accountable on both sides, you know, to follow that, and um, it gives us a it gives us a game plan. And so once we did that, that that was a game changer. That was years and years and years ago that we started to do that. So that gave us that allowed us to start to focus on some techniques that we we're using. And then we started to see the same repetitive things happening. So we we learned as a group and, and as we got more sophisticated and we were in the business longer, we, we, we knew the shortcuts, right? Um, we could see things coming before they were coming. Every company is unique. You could have two manufacturers in Cleveland that make the same widgets that are right next door to each other, the same amount of employees, but the HR delivery and what's needed in there could be very different. So we really did focus on on the com- the companies that we were supporting individually but we were bringing in some proven processes and best practices.
1: And when you when you started the the company, did you have a, a vision for what connected HR has evolved into today or was it really more a recognition of here's a market opportunity I want to try and and solve this or or were you thinking more like here's there there's a company that I can build, you know, addressing this, this problem. Both.
0: Um, I saw the need in the market. That's the opportunity. Right. But I also saw an opportunity to hire people. And this is even, you know, think back, you know, you know, almost 10 years ago, um, there was an opportunity. You have a lot of people that have paused to have start their families from their careers at times. Right. And you know, you start having, I, I, I have four children. And that's a lot of work when you have four kids. and when you, when you have even one child, but you know you start to get to two, three, four kids, it becomes you know your family time is important, and your work time is less important because you got to take care of your family, but you still got to put food on the table. so i I figured out a way that we can create an opportunity for people to work in there, stay in their career, but not have this, you know seven thirty to five thirty hr job that's. They're getting calls after hours, right? They're, you know, they're getting pinged at 10 o'clock at night. It kind of lowered the stress level of the, of the HR professionals, but it, and they actually can work a flex schedule. They can work full-time or part-time and it's up to them what they want. So we designed it around the type of workers that we were trying to pull in and we matched up with the market opportunity. The vision was that we could actually build the best HR team in Ohio. And so that was the original vision of it. And then we also wanted to bring a training center. So there's a group in Cleveland that does a lot of uh, manager and supervisor training, and we wanted to, to do more of that. And we actually moved to Ohio city area right next to the West side market. And we opened up a training center and we did that because we wanted to train frontline supervisors and managers because frontline supervisors and managers in the small business world are, are generally not trained, um, trained up enough. So COVID threw that back back a little bit. Um, hmm. So we're getting that built again and uh, we have to re, we have to re redesign it, reconfigure it, right. To accommodate, but uh, we would get classes in here before COVID um, you know, 15 to 30 people and supervisors and we were doing multiple classes and it was great. And we'd bring our team in to train and uh, to train them. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was really the original, that was the vision. It's pretty simple.
1: Yeah, no, it, I, I think it is. It's, it's really interesting, actually. As you were talking, it made me think about, in my observation, anecdotally, there there is often this association of of HR with people operations with the the underlying culture of a given company. in, in a lot of ways, I think when when people think about you know employee enablement, onboarding, the overall employee experience, it's it's tied in a lot of ways to a company culture. And I, I am curious how you have thought about, you know, bridging, doing the HR work with, you know, the, the company cultures that, that you're getting ingrained into and, and how you contribute to company culture or, or, or think about that. Culture is tough, right? Culture evolves.
0: (laughs) I I want to have a great culture. We want to work on our culture. It's such an ambiguous statement almost, right? Like, how do you even start to do that? Um, I actually take a step back and don't really say, I think the work that H, good HR sets a foundation and starts to have an impact or an effect on on culture, right? But I really believe that organizations, what we go in and help and do that the right human resource thing, and it's not just all about compliance, right? It's about how to build good communication, how to make sure, you know, that the, the, the people within the organization are, are talking to each other, how um, people are feeling comfortable in their roles, right? How the managers are trained, right? Setting the expectations and companies, making sure they're following through. I actually believe that human resources help create a better employment experience. And if we go into a company and help create a better employment experience that affects retention, it affects culture, and so I really, you know, there was a term we used early on, it was employer of choice. And right now, you know, we're, we're seeing it because everybody's fighting for, for candidates and workers and employees. Um, but I really think being very, in, companies that are being very intentional about creating a good employment experience are going to be the ones that are going to do very, very well in the market. So I'm taking a step back from culture and it's really about the employment experience.
1: Yeah. And I, I am also curious what a good employee experience, how that has changed over time and, and the amount, the importance that that companies are, are attributing to it these days and how that has evolved. It starts at
0: actually at the job postings, you know, how are, how is your company posting the jobs? You know, what does the, what do your job descriptions look like? Have they been updated? Are they on task, right? Are they, on, are they on task compared to what the market is? Are you paying correctly, right? So think of all, how's the interview process? How was the screening process? How was the interview process? Like these are all part of the employment experience, right? They might not be employees, but it's part of the employment experience. So how does that all look? Companies used to, you know, kind of like skip through those. I did it too, right? Back at the other group. I even did it at the beginning of this one. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And then I've gotten further into it. I understand how important this is now. So how do you, onboarding is always undercooked always it is the most important thing you can do you know we're we're constantly looking at our onboarding what can we do better and it's not that you're you know given a plate of cupcakes before somebody comes there right and Mm -hmm. it's actually how you integrate them into your organization who are they allowed to access who can they talk to how do they feel when they enter right and part of the employee experience too is how you're exiting somebody because you know not all employment ends happily right sometimes it's it's a little rough so you do exit interviews Co- your employees are watching how you exit people out of your organization right employees are talking so there's all these things that are involved in it you know how you're handling compensation how you're reviewing your employees what kind of um, you know uh, conversations are you are having on a quarterly yearly you know half-year basis All these things are important. So there's so many things. I mean, we could sit here and talk about it for hours and hours, right? (laughs) But it's all part of the employee experience. You know, how are your managers, you know, are are you training your managers on emotional intelligence, right? Are are they able to have really good conversations with their employees? You know, 80% of the HR problems start at the supervisor level. Supervisors are fumbling things and it's causing problems. You know, you know, the stats of people leaving jobs because of their managers. It's true. It's very, very true. So there's all kinds of things. And, and when you look at all this in total, it's all part of the employment experience, all of it. And it's so much work, right? But you know, you just chip away at it. You get a little bit better all the time at these things, right? And if you fall off on one of them, you go back and revisit and say, okay, we're going to work on this again.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting. So maybe just focusing a little bit on the, the evolution of, of connected HR over time, maybe you know kind of paint a picture of of where you are today as an organization and i think we can go from there
0: okay i think we're a very blessed organization we've been able to hire and work with some tremendous talent some wonderful people they care about what they do they care about their families they care about their coworkers they care about their clients they care about the clients employees right never can you can never take that stuff for granted because people that are conscientious and care can really deliver services. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all working. We, we, we've got to work to make money and put food on our table, but the people that care, they go the extra step and they make sure that things are take taken care of and buttoned up. So I think the, uh, the reason I say all that is the evolution of the company is we've been able to, as we've grown, we've been able to bring on people that match our core values and Core values, I honestly, I wasn't a big core value person with the first company. And I actually wasn't at the beginning of this this company. So what's evolved is everything's focused on the core values. If someone does not fit our core values, they can't come on our team and they're not going to stay on our team. So, you know, we got our core values down. They're very, very important. And if the evolution is if we stay true to those core values, the company will continue to grow.
1: And what, maybe just to unpack those, what what do those look like, and what does that mean in practice?
0: I'll give you a couple of them. So the, our main one is collaborating. So as an organization, we have to collaborate internally. So when you think about a company hires an HR professional, it's like say they go out and they hire an HR professional, pay somebody to come in and be their HR manager, director, whatever. That's a singular person that they've gone out and hired, right? So that person might have, you know, their previous experience that they're bringing in, they're part of HR groups that they're part of, and then they have their own personal network, right? So they know what they know, they come in, they become an ex. these workers become an expert at the company that they're working at. The connected HR team, we work at, everybody in our team works at more than one client, so they work at more than one company. But what they do is when they don't know something, they go to the team and they collaborate with them and say, I don't know how to do this. Has anybody run into this? Can somebody help me with this? We've built things into our company that allows that to happen easier. And, And so now their knowledge base grows beyond just that single person. So collaborating is important, but we also have to collaborate with the clients, you know, it's not us just coming in and telling them, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to, do this. it's not that at all. It's like, okay, why are you doing your PTO like this? Explain how it got to this point. Like, what's what What are you struggling with? What What's your pain points in it? And then you come up with some solutions. For, okay, let's work on this. Let's negotiate how we can do this so it's better for ABC and XYZ company, right? And that collaboration is huge. You know, in the world right now, people have become very isolated because of COVID. And I think you're going to see like a dawn of collaboration. It's going to happen. It's not yet, but it's going to happen. And I think the companies that collaborate better are going to be the companies that succeed. So collaboration to me is, is our number one thing. And you know, it's hard because we're working at 50-some companies spattered all across Northeast Ohio, right? We're all over the place. How do we stay connected? By collaborating. And yeah. it's, it's it's the number one thing. There was a couple of years I deemed like, 2016 was the first year of collaboration so we themed the year right <laughs> and we did it again in uh, 2018 because i felt the collaboration was falling off that's why i point it right back if you can't collaborate you're not a good fit for connected hr
1: it's interesting in a lot of ways that the the shared ubiquitous problems of the companies that you get to work with you get to create this this shared knowledge base that you can kind of leverage to use Borrow from experience. Like how how often are you coming across challenges, HR problems that you have not encountered before? Like like how much of the the difficulties that companies have are are shared problems that other companies have?
0: You know, there's a line I use. I sometimes when when we're talking to potential clients and clients, I say, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. You know, we've got this. (laughs) this." I said, these are tough. These are tough things. But I said. You know, you guys, you guys are a good company, but you're not unique because you have the same problems that a lot of other groups do. Um, It's very, we see a lot of the same repetitive things, right? COVID threw it all sideways. The COVID chaos, like that was a whole nother thing. And, um, you know, we trained with them during COVID. We trained with employment attorneys. We actually got stronger during COVID. We got better. And we saw a lot of HR folks quitting their jobs and getting fired during COVID, they, they weren't able to build the resource network that they needed. We were, we were already, before COVID, building that resource network together. And so when COVID hit, we were like, it was like, okay, we're, we got this, right? And so we were able to share information really quick. So I, I really I really think that our team runs across stuff that they don't know. Sometimes they don't know it individually. Sometimes they don't know it as a group. Sometimes if they don't know it individually, they take it to the team and they get answers back from the team. Oh, I ran into that in my career at one point, or I'm doing that at ABC company right now. So it's kind of a shortcut um, and they're very, everybody's accessible to each other.
1: Yeah. What does the competition look like in this space? When, when you're giving this pitch, when you're trying to, to sell a customer, what are their alternatives they're thinking through? And, and what does the whole kind of market dynamic look like there?
0: I mean, there's lots of HR consulting groups out of the, out, out there. I actually don't pay attention to them, um, much. Um, I really focus on, on what we're doing, but one of the the biggest competitors is actually a direct hire, like somebody going out and hiring somebody directly instead of outsourcing the services to us. And I, I have a lot of reasons depending on the situation, why they should or shouldn't do it. There are times we've come in and done an audit and say, you need to hire somebody full time at this position, at this level. There are other times I said the outsourcing through our fractional HR services is the right thing to do. Um mm. so we really look at everything unique, but it's really a direct hire. That's probably our 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 biggest, you know, if you want to put it in the competitor category.
1: Sure. Do do your customers maybe poach is not the right word, but but try and, you know, having built great relationships with your people, you know, when they're they're at a stage where they're ready to build that core competency internally you know, try and,
0: and, yeah. and pull your people. <laughs> it happened a few times. Yeah, it's, it's happened a few times. It's uncomfortable. We don't, we don't particularly care for it. But, you know, but our, our team that comes here, they almost everybody on our team, if you look at our team roster, they left jobs to come work in this environment. So um, they weren't, nobody on our team was a consultant before they came here. Zero. So yeah, it's happened a handful of times. So we, we you know, we've had, we have the appropriate conversations at that time.
1: <laughs> yeah. When when you think about the growth levers that you can pull and, and kind of the prospects for the future, are you thinking more along the lines of what are other services we can offer? What are other geographies we can expand into? And, and I'm, I'm curious also with that, what, 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 what keeps you up at night? You know, like what are, what are the risks that, that, that you're weighing? So compared to the first business, I actually
0: sleep really well with this business. That's good. Yeah. It- <laughs> Sleep is good, especially when you get older, like my age, you you really want, you really do treasure your sleep. So, um, so let's talk about growth. So yes, you can, so this can be replicated in other areas, right? So we are actually opening an office in Austin, Texas. It's starting now. So we're going to, we're just getting it going now. We secured space, you know, we're starting to look at the recruiting environment there for talent. We're talking to potential clients, you know, we've got proposals out and all that. So we've integrated into that business community and we're going to continue to do that. That's such a growth area in the country. There's so many businesses that are starting and there's so many business, there's a ton of small businesses. And as like the Teslas of the world move there, all these ancillary businesses are built to support, you know, what's moved into the area. So we are focusing on that. It's a very inclusive area for us. Um, You know, the companies are, the organizations are looking for companies like us in there. So that's a target area for us. We have a couple of employees in the Pittsburgh area. Um, We're intending to expand into Pittsburgh and we've done some work in Columbus and we're going to be focusing on Columbus too. So there's certain areas that we're targeting that um, we're we're going to keep focused on. So geographically, we can grow that way. As far, like this isn't a service you can like sell to people. I can't call you up, say, Hey, Jeffrey, you want to get some HR services? Like it's, it just doesn't go (laughs) that way. So you have to build your referral network up and it's, you know, it's, it's working with employment attorneys. It's working with fractional CFO groups. It's working with benefits groups that you, that you're a trusted resource. We get all of the work we get is referred now, all of it. And these professional service providers out there, when we enter when they're referring us it actually helps them do their services in the company right cuz we're 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 a very viable calming force that shows up and we're very organized so we actually help the companies that they're supporting it makes it easier for them to do business so i you know i don't look at this business as something that's going to you know triple in size every year i do look at it as, as as continuing to grow the need in the markets there for hr services and I do think that's how we'll continue to grow the business. That being said, we also did start a separate recruiting division. Um, we stayed away from that because we wanted to be the predominant HR force in Ohio. We had to start recruiting because obviously the market that we're in is crazy right now. So we needed to, to separate that. And we've done the mo- I'm not I won't get into it today, but we've done the model a little different. We're much different than a contingency recruiting firm. And um, so we—that's another growth area. And we are actually looking. And I can't say specifically right now. But we're actually looking at either starting another business unit to support it or acquiring something. So we—we're we, constantly looking because if you're—you know, my my view is if you're not moving forward, you could be taking a couple steps back.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we we can go down a uh, detour for a sec here. I want to maybe talk about the the craziness of of the space at the moment and maybe hit on a few of of these macro topics that we're seeing, great resignation, remote work, you know, the, the mental health and burnout that I think we're, we're all feeling, seeing, experiencing in the space, what culture in a remote world and an HR in a remote world looks like, you know, pick pick your poison here, but I, I'd love to get your perspective on, on some of these topics.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Cleveland's a, Cleveland, Northeast Ohio is a Rust Belt area, right? So there's this manufacturing and construction mentality. So it's kind of like you know, get your butt in here and get to work, right? And you know, in manufacturing and construction, you got to show up to to make money, right? Someone's got to run the machine, or someone's got to put the bricks to, bricks on top of each other, right, or dig the hole. So when you hear in the media a lot of the you know the Great Resignation and you know hybrid work, it doesn't apply to all companies and all industries. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very confusing. And I think the the stat we have a lot of construction groups um, that work with us. I think the status for every five people retiring construction, I think only two are coming in. So there's gonna be a huge deficit. 2030 is the year where you're gonna see the huge deficit, bigger deficit in manufacturing and construction. So, you know, those are things we have to pay attention to. And as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, as governments, so we have to figure out how to fill these seats. Right. And you've, you've heard a lot of the conversations about, you know, maybe uh, college isn't for everybody. People can make some really good money being a welder and have a wonderful career. They can be, have a great career in construction in the trades, plumbers, electricians, right? Manufacturers are screaming for people. There are some wonderful programs manufacturers have for people to get hired, right? Of all sizes. And I think what's you're going to see is the smaller manufacturers and the construction groups raise their game on how to get people. So I think that is actually, so instead of talking about everybody that's leaving like tech companies and professional services firm, I think there's going to be opportunities in the other space. We'll see what the United States looks like in a few years, if that's going to happen. But I think there's a huge opportunity. And I think people can create some very nice lives and wealth for themselves and have some great careers. I think the great Resignation; people are switching jobs a lot. Um, I think industries just have to adjust. You know, I have I have many friends that are business owners and, you know, they've got six-figure jobs they cannot fill, either for competitive reasons because – Maybe they're, they're not the right career opportunity, or maybe they're just not paying enough in that space, right? And, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a bunch of reasons. People are quitting jobs, but I, I think people are quitting jobs for the same some of the same reasons is that this was just the time, you know, they didn't really like the way the company was going. They didn't uh, line up with their manager, or they just got a ton of money from another group. And they're saying, why not try it and see if it works? I think we're starting to see with some of our clients some boomerang where people have left for bigger opportunities and they've come back. So I think employers need to be open-minded about that. Like, you know, sometimes you get mad. Somebody's like, why did they leave me? Why did they leave me? Right? Why did they leave this company? We're a great company. Or a manager saying, why did she leave? I think you got to be open-minded about having them come back. Right? You know, do a good exit interview you know, don't burn a bridge, both sides. The employee shouldn't burn the bridge and the employer shouldn't burn the bridge. Like, look, we're all trying to make things work. We're all trying to get by. In life <laughs> Life got really hard the last handful of years. Let's just be honest, for all ages, right? But um, I think you're going to see a lot of people starting to retire too. You're starting to see it now. So are the companies going to be able to redesign the jobs of the people that are retiring to to bring in some of the, the younger talent, Right. It's a very interesting time, so I, I think there's just a lot to, to, a lot to be determined yet
1: what are you most excited about thinking about the future
0: um you got to narrow that question down a little bit
1: <laughs> <laughs> with regards to uh, I'll, I'll throw two out there the kind of trajectory for for connected HR you know like in retrospect what is what is the impact that that you want to have uh, and what what gets you most excited about thinking about the future of of connected hr and then on the the macro side you know just given the the changing nature of of work and and some of these trends like of these these elements you know what what is most interesting to you about about them i get excited
0: because we get to every year we're in business we get to work with more and more awesome companies and more and more awesome hr professionals and we just keep learning and learning and learning. It's like our brain just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just so interesting the stuff you come across and you see different leaders, how they're leading their organization. Some that do a great job, some that you know maybe fumble a little bit. I get really excited when people come on and they're so happy to be here and do the work. And I get really excited when, com- when clients are happy to have us there. Like it's HR, like who gets excited about it? Human resources but when you do a good job and there's a good marriage of the services and the client it's it's wonderful so i actually think that this this business has a lot of legs like it can it can really keep going growing and going and so i'm excited for the future and i think we just don't know what we don't know like what else can this company do what how we're small we're flexible like we can pivot and do things like i like that feeling of freedom it's it's one of the reasons i'm an entrepreneur and a business owner i like that freedom to move right and so I think I feel that way about the company. I don't feel like, we. well, this is just the one way that we do it. No, like we might change. And I like, I like that. That feels great. I'm excited for the future. I think we're going through a hard time in society now, everywhere, you know, you name it. We don't have to sit here and go over the sadness <laughs> of that. Well, I think we're going to have a renaissance at some point. And I think that there's going to be happy times and people are going to be excited to be together, be at work, accomplish things together. I actually look very positively on, on the future. I think we're, we're still kind of going through some tough times. Right. But I, I think there's there's just I think there's going to be a renaissance. And I think it's I think the good companies. And understand that, and treat people well, and try to build the best company that they can build for their for the employment experience are just gonna just gonna kill it. And I think some of the you know the old stodgy type of way to do business is just gonna go away, and because they're not gonna survive. So I'm ex- I'm actually super excited for the future. Um, you know, we got some challenges ahead,
1: so we do. I think it's it's more fun to be an optimist. <laughs> true. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to maybe bookend this conversation with a question we, we ask everyone who comes on the show and we're, we're building kind of a, a collective collage here of, of not necessarily people's favorite things in Cleveland, but for uh, something that other folks may not know about uh, a hidden gem, if you will. Okay.
0: I have one. It's not this huge, amazing thing, but I think it's a hidden gem. The Hyatt Hotel in the Arcade is awesome. It is so cool. It's so unique. There's, you know, there's not a lot of that type of hotel in the United States. It's just a cool place. And what's near and dear to me when I was like 19 years old and working through college, I was I went to Cleveland State, and I had there. If you've ever been in the Arcade. There was businesses all in the multiple layers there are. And I used to go to this one business and try to sell them supplies, you know, when I was a 19-year-old kid. So when they art when Hyatt came in and turned into a hotel, I just thought it was the coolest thing. You know, they put a Christmas tree up there and at Christmas time. It's just a really neat place. And it's so Cleveland. Like it's just like a time warp when you walk in there.
1: It it really is. It's an, it's an incredible building. I mean, it it's really aesthetically the history it, it's fantastic i agree that's a that's a great one well mark thank you again so much for for coming on today and and for sharing your story and and the the work you're doing really interesting conversation um and i very much appreciate it
0: thank you jeffrey i appreciate i
1: appreciate it very much awesome if, if folks have anything they would like to follow up with you about where is the uh, the best place for them to do so
0: uh, they should jump on our website, connected-hr.com. We put a lot of time and effort in there, but all our contact information is in there, so they're welcome to, to get a hold of us that way.
1: Well, uh, thank you again, Mark. Thank you, Jeffrey. I appreciate it. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at Sternfa, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with The Up Company, LLC.